Amen. But uh, Joshua chapter 22, and like I said, I want to try to be done right at 12 today, and I got a lot of ground to cover, and I've been doing this, this particular series because I see so many things in, at, with people, whether it be, I'm not talking about our church, thank God we uh, have a good spirit here, but uh, there's always a possible of conflict for anything, amen, but uh, marriages, uh, I, I see it among friends. Uh, I see among co-workers here. Uh, I, I see it among family. Amen. And uh, conflict something that you're not going to escape. And one thing that we're going to see today is we're going to talk about uh, communication here. Such a vital part of uh, handling conflict. Amen. And uh, how many have ever been to something... And uh, you've been to something and you thought, man, this is going to be such a good thing. And the people that organized it, they didn't communicate with each other. And then when you got there, it was very unorganized. And you were thinking, oh, this is frustrating and this is stressful in here. How many of you have ever been to something like that? And, I, and doesn't it just... When, when you don't have that communication here, uh, okay, how are you going to do this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Okay, are we on the same page? Do you understand me here? Uh, do this, this, and this, and this. Okay, I got you. I understand here. And how many have ever, I've made this mistake here, somebody did something and you assumed without talking to them they did something wrong against you, and you did, you, you did something based on assumption. You thought on something without talking to them, your husband and wife here, uh, or somebody at work or somebody in the church here. They did something, and you assumed, oh, yeah, 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 I can't believe you did that here. And you were mad at them, and you made an assumption, and you never went to that person. And then there was always that wall or that bearer. I saw a preacher one time build a fence. He did a marriage seminar, and he talked about it. He took one of those fences, you know, they sell at Lowe's, one of those little wood boards. And he talked about a marriage here, how you have a misunderstanding. You put one thing. And then there was a wife on this side and this side, and then dot, dot, dot. And then pretty soon you had a bearer between them. And I think a lot of times people... Because uh, they, they don't do things the Bible way. Let's face it, we don't do things the Bible way anymore, do we? We just don't here. Uh, and we have, to, we have to understand God gives us things. And, you know, how many have ever been reading the Old Testament and say, I can't believe Abraham did that. Or I can't believe they did that. I can't believe Job's friends did that. I can't believe this here. How many have ever been guilty of reading the Old Testament and saying, Man, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe that and everything. But you know, the Old Testament, according to the New Testament, was written so that we could learn from some of the things that they did in the Old Testament here and actually try not to, to get some wisdom from it. First Corinthians chapter 10, amen. And uh, a lot of these stories that people do, let me tell you, they're true. And they're real-life people, amen? They're just like everybody in this room. We're real-life people here. And we create history, Right? And a lot of times, communication is vital. Now, let me give you very quickly here the backdrop of this story here, so that way you can kind of understand if you're a new believer or an old believer, you don't maybe know too much about this. 
Abraham had different sons, and he had 12 different sons here, and they were promised a land, the land of Israel here. And uh, God told them where they were going to live in this land here. He said, hey, uh, it would be like saying, Ronnie, you got the Valley Head area, okay? And uh, Jim, uh, you got the Huntsville area. And, and uh, Jamie, you got the Elkins area here. And God told each one of these tribes within the nation of Israel where they were going to live. Well, there was two and a half of these tribes because there, there was or two and a half of these tribes here, I'm sorry. Uh, they want, they liked the land over on the other side of the Jordan River. They thought, man, that's good farming land here, and that's a good place to live here. So uh, they go back to Moses here, and they say, Moses here, we would like to live on the other side of the Jordan River here. You know, this is the land of Israel, and there, there's a Jordan River here, and we'd like to live over here. So Moses said, okay, you guys... If you want to live over there and have your own houses, territory, but I want you to remember we're one family here, okay? So we're not to be divided by a a river here, even though you like that here, we're one river here. So he made a condition, though. He said, guys, in order to get the land of Canaan, we all got to fight together because we're one family here. So we got to fight for our land here because we're one family here. So... Those other tribes, they agreed. Those other brothers said, and all their tribes here, they said, we're going to fight for that land, united together here, because we're all what? We're all one family. Amen? And so they all fight here, and they're all done, and they, they uh, um, win the, uh, the land of Canaan here. So now it's time for those other tribes to say, remember our deal? We like it over here on the other side of the river here, and we'd like to do that. So they say, go ahead and do this here. But Joshua tells them two very important things here. And look at Joshua 22, uh, that they need to do to make sure that they would always maintain the unity among their family here, of the other tribes here, okay? And look at verse 22, verse 1. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, this is one of the tribe names, and the Gadonites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh here. So, so you see what he has here? He says here, okay, uh, you Reubenites, you Gadites, and the half of you Manassehs here, you want to live in this area. That's fine. That's dandy. Here's the Jordan River here. Here's this side. There's a river that separates your family here. Go ahead and do this here. But he said... We want to always maintain family unity. Now, now, how many of you believe unity in anything is important? Okay, I tell you what, when you get out of disunity as a, as a husband and wife here, communication can do this here. How many of you have ever had a not communicated with your husband and wife here and, and you got, uh, Michael, when we got married here, uh, let me give you a little two cents here. We kept a little notebook here. And uh, we talked about every single decision we would make, how we're going to raise our children, how we're going to do our finances here, how, what we're going to do about our spiritual life here, how we're going to do everything here. And we made our covenant, our marriage covenant here. And uh, we made it together here. These are decisions that we're going to make together here. And we kept that. And we talked about, we communicated here. But over the years in, the, in, 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 our, in marriages, sometimes we would forget about that covenant. And I might say, without communicating, 
I want to do this, I want to do this, and then we'd always maybe say, there, there would be like some kind of contention here, and we're supposed to be united as a marriage here, and we would, Jamie, we would always go back to our covenant, what we talked about before. But we'd always talk about it here, communicate it here. So what I want you to see here, you got these two and a half tribes, they're free to go to their own land here, but Moses tells them two things here. Now, because of time's sake here, he says, verse 2, And they said unto them, Yea, have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren here, you didn't leave your family here, many days unto this day. And you have kept the charge of the Lord your God. In other words, he said, you didn't desert your family here. You were united in war here, okay? You, you did what you said here, okay? So now they're about ready to go to their separate ways here. And he tells them here, I want, to, I want you to have unity here. So look at verse 7, verse, uh, verse 5. But take diligent heed. Now let's pause right here. What is the word... Diligent mean here? When somebody tells you to be diligent about something here. Uh, a, a doctor this week told me here, he said, he said uh, there's a couple things I want you to be diligent about. I want you to be diligent about your diet. I want you to be diligent about this. I want you to be diligent about this here. And I was asking him certain questions here. And what does it mean not to be diligent about something here? Help me now, folks. Careless here. In other words, you don't always do it every day here. Now, what is something that you got to do every single day. And if you drop your guard here, it's going to affect your marriage, it's going to affect your church, it's going to affect you as a work. What do you got to do every single day? you you got to stay on top of things. Now, how many agree that you got to stay on top of things on anything here, okay? you got to be very diligent. Now, how many agree that sometimes we get slack, okay? There's something you got to be diligent to be united over. Now, look what he says right here. He says, take heed to be diligent to do the commandments of the law, which Moses, the servants of the Lord, charged you to do one thing, to love the Lord your God and to walk all his ways and to keep his commandments and to do what, folks? Cleave unto him, serve him with all your what? And with all your what? So here. So he says, hey, guys. I know half the, uh, uh, about not even a fourth of the family is going to live in a certain way. And there's going to be this river here. It's going to be a Jordan River here. Some are going to be there. Some will be there here. How are you to be united as a family here? He says, the only way you can ever be united as a family here is you've got to be diligent about your relationship with God here. Now, let me give you an emphasis here. The only, th- the only way you'll ever be united as a church, as a family here, and as, as a co-worker here, anything, you've got to be diligent and you've got to cleave to the Lord every day. Amen? How many agree with me here? How many have been honest in any area of your life here when, when your relationship with God slipped, you got into a lot more misunderstandings with people? Amen. And how many have ever seen some people, even in churches, get conflict with each other here? Uh, Because if you trace it, they don't diligently look over their spiritual life here. And one thing that Moses said here, he says, you guys, you're going to have your own own side, your own family. 
But there's one thing, if you're going to stay united here, you've got to diligently pursue your, your relationship with God. And I want to I tell anybody in this room, whether you're a husband, a wife, a friend, have you ever seen friends have conflict and separate here? And, it, and I'm talking about Christian friends that don't, don't get in the word here. Trace it back. Ask that person if you're having conflict. Ask your wife the next time you're having conflict. You reading your Bible? You praying? Most of the time people will duck their head and they'll say, yes, I'm neglecting God. That's one reason why we're not having unity in our family. Now, if you be honest here, the average Christian neglects God in their walk with God. And so when it comes to conflicts, are we going to have conflicts, whether it be church or marriage or anything? Can you escape it here? So Moses said, okay, you're one family. Their personalities, if you study all the 12 tribes of Israel, their personalities were so different here, amen? And so uh, he says, the first thing you got to do is take heed and work on your relationship with God. But look at the second thing about unity here. And look at verse 8. And he spoke unto them, Return with me much riches unto your tents, and with much cattle, with silver, and with the gold, and with the brass, and with the iron, and with much raiment, that's clothed. And what's he say? Divide the what? Spoil of your enemies with who? With your brothers. Now, what is a spoil here? A spoil, Brother Ronnie, is when they got to war... They would take a portion of what they got here, and they would say, it's ours here, okay? Now, isn't it very common sometimes that uh, people can say, marriage is 100-100. Everything that belongs to me belongs to my wife, amen? A church should be 100-100. It all belongs to who? God, your Christian testimony should be 100 here, okay? So he says right here, ah, uh, you guys, you guys got a lot of valuable things, and what I want you to do is I want you to share them with each other here. Now, can materialistic things divide you? How many of that? Remember, remember in, in the story, in the parable, of the rich man, he says, they're fighting over their inheritance, and he said, uh, Jesus said, hey, jump in and solve this dispute here. And Jesus said, who made me a divider between you and your family here? Now, could these spoils broken the unity of the 12 tribes? Yeah. Can materialistic things break the unity of anything? How many of you ever seen people fight over the silliest materialistic things? You know, I, I always say... I don't care if the color of the pew is purple, pink, whatever. don't matter to me, amen, because there are churches that meet in a hut in Africa right now. And they don't care. They don't, they don't care a hill of beans what that looks like. Every plush thing we got here is awesome, amen, compared to what some countries have. Can I get an amen? But sometimes don't churches fight over materialistic things? Who gives a look? You know, it's, it's all going to rust someday. All, all these things that you're looking at, they're going to rust someday. Your home that you fight over, you know, it's going to fall in when you're dead and gone. Amen. All the materialistic things that you fight over and have conflict over here, uh, they're all going to die here. So how does he tell them? He tells them two quick things. How do you have unity? You put God first, and then you share with each other here. 
And I don't know about you here, but I just gave my checkbook to my wife here. There's two names on that, not one name. We share in everything. We share Facebook accounts here. I don't know about you. I, I believe that's important. My wife says, anything you want to talk to somebody about, open it up, honey. We share. Amen. There's nothing hid between each other. Amen. Uh, anything ought to be open and honest with each other. Amen. But how many agree here, whether it be social media here or whether money here, we can have conflict over. We can have conflict. So Moses knew. Moses knew these guys. And let me ask you a question. Does God know you guys? Does God know there's some, I've been here 22 years, let me be honest and frank, there's a few strong-willed people in here. Can I get an amen if you're a strong-willed person? There's a few straightforward talkers that I've had some poof with, amen, but that's all right, I can handle it, amen, but how many of you are a straightforward type of person? You just tell it like it is, and sometimes you don't, it, sometimes it don't come out the best way. You can say, oh, catch it in the air. It doesn't do this here. We're going to learn about a guy, his personality. He was the spokesman, but he was the type of guy, Natalie here, that he saw something. He put a spear to a guy's head. He said, this is how quick I am. And he was going to be the spokesman for the, for the people here when they had a misunderstanding here. And I'm thinking, oh, man, what a spokesman here to come at this guy. So what happens here? I want you to skip down to verse 10 quickly. So these two and a half tribes, they go on, look at verse 10. When they came under the borders of Jordan, now look what happens right here, okay? It says, that are in the land of Canaan, now notice what happens. The children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, what did they do there? They built a what? Altar by Jordan here, right by the Jordan here. Now, not only an altar, it was a great altar to what? See here. So, do we always know the motive in somebody's heart? No. Okay. You don't always know the motive of why somebody does here. So, try to picture this. Here's these guys. They're on the other side of the river here, and they say, we're going to build an altar here. Fine and dandy, nothing wrong with that, right? I'm agree, nothing wrong with an altar here, building an altar. But we're going to see here, there's not very good communication between the other side of the river, and they hear they're building an altar. And back in the altar, they said, there's supposed to be only one place that we build an altar but they don't know, they're making an assumption why they're building the altar. We're going to look later on, they're building an altar as a memorial that we would always have peace between each other. But what they do is they assume you're building a pagan altar, a wrong altar here, and their assumptions are totally wrong, and they actually are about ready to start civil war based on an assumption here. Now, keep reading right here. Look what he says here. Look at verse 11, and look at the key words. And the children of Israel, they're on the other side of the river. What, what's that key word? Everybody say it with me. Heard say. That's called hear say. Now, how many ever heard of hear say before say amen? Amen. How many in a small town hear, hear, say, say amen? How many at work hear, hear, say? Amen. Everybody hears, hears, say. 
But I don't know about you, I've always said, go to the horse's mouth. Amen? Is there a lot of hearsay that goes on on the news? You know, some of you teachers here, I'm in defense of you guys here. Is there a lot of hearsay when the kids go home and say, Miss Shane was so mean to me today. Oh, you wouldn't believe what she did to me here. Oh, Miss Natalie, oh, man, she was so mean here. And the mother said, oh, how dare that person do that to my little Johnny here. I'm so mad when I get down there and talk to, to I can't believe. Oh, that's what little Johnny did. Oh, I'm glad I talked to you because I was about ready to let you have it here. Now, can I get it? I got, I got a lot of laughs out of that, but isn't that true? Now, what happens right here? They hear, they build an altar. Now look what happens right here. Behold the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They build an altar over against the land of Canaan and the border of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children, and look at verse 12, heard it. Now look what happens right here. They hear it, but they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. The whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to do what, folks? Against their own family here. Now, how many of you have ever had family fights? Your own family here, you're fighting here, and you, and you boil down at something that's a hearsay, something, an assumption that you thought here. Now, what does that tell us here? How to be united? Put God first. Share, you're going to be a united family. But how to be divided here? You go on hearsay. You go on assumption here. Now, let me ask you a question here. Do sometimes we go on assumption and that assumption boils our anger so much that when we want to deal with that person, we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the reasons. It's just what we heard. It's called gossip. It's called idle tears. It's things like this here. How many of you have ever get mad before talking to the other side? How many of you have ever been mad, you're thinking, at your own wife, at thinking, how dare they do this? And then you go and you talk to your wife and you say, oh, that was a dumb reason to get mad. I didn't know your side here. You had an assumption here. So let me ask you a question. What solves hearsay? Proper communication. Going to that person and saying, Jim, I hear you're building an altar. Ah, uh, Jim, why are you building an altar? Oh, you're building an altar not for a pagan temple. You're building an altar so that you can knight us here. Oh, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you because I asked you a question here. But what's easier, Jim? How dare you build an altar? Do you know what happened to us before when we built an altar here? Our, our nation got ripped apart by God. How dare you put us in this jeopardy? We're going to fight and we're going to kill you, our own family here. Now, you see here, assumption. Now, is there also, let me ask you a question. When they gathered their whole selves together without knowing all the facts, is there a danger to overthink some things? Uh, yeah, were they overthinking some things without knowing all the facts? Yeah. Now, how many have ever overthought something here? And then when you went to go talk to either your husband or your wife or your friend or your coworker or your church member, you went to do it the biblical way. When you have something against somebody, you go to them personally here. How many have overthought something and you said, I look dumb. I'm foolish here. Amen. How many have ever been guilty of overthinking things? 
And some of you are probably lying because every single person does this in this room, amen. We all do this here. And you know what, Rodney, here I was watching football. A lot of times coaches, uh, I'm sorry, quarterbacks, and we were talking about this last week here. I was watching, uh, whether it be Big Ben or Tom Brady here, great quarterbacks, if they overthrow their receiver and they know it's their fault, James, usually they pat their back. And what does that mean when a quarterback does that to his receiver? It's his fault. He says, it's on me here. I didn't read right here. He's telling the people here. Now, how many have ever overread somebody and said, that's my fault? I didn't do it the Bible way here. I'm sorry, husband. I overthought you. I didn't talk to you. I, I'm sorry, church member. I overthought something. I didn't talk to you about it. I didn't get the whole facts here. I'm sorry, coworker. I'm sorry, person. We overthink things. Now, look at quickly here. Look very quickly here. Look at verses 13 through 16 here. So what do they do here? Okay. Uh, look at verse, I'm sorry, verse, verse uh, uh, 13. And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben. Now notice who they're going to do it the biblical way. They're going to try to go get the facts on why they built an altar. The children of Reuben to the children of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead. Now they send a guy named, what's his name here? Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest here. Now, if I had time here, I would go back to the Bible and I'd tell you, this guy Phineas was a hot-tempered guy. His personality here, he was just like, let's just do it here. Let's act upon it here. He was probably the right guy to send as far as thinking civil war, let's get it done here, let's jump on it. But he's probably the wrong guy as far as uh, wasn't, guilty of thinking through things and talking through things here. You know what this guy Phineas did? I, I tell you before here. Jim, he got so mad at a guy, he, he, he just put a spear right through his head. He didn't even give him time to ask questions here. Now, to me, that's a guy that's pretty sensitive on his personality. He didn't ask questions why he did it. He just did it. Amen. So let me ask you a question. If you're going to go talk to somebody here, Phineas, I'm not sure if he was the right person to send, amen, but he is sent. Now, look what happens right here. Look quickly, and look at verse 14. He goes with other people, with the ten princes. Now, notice what he says right here. Of each chief house of the prince throughout all the tribes of Israel here. So they choose other people to go with them, and look what it says in verse verse. Uh, they came under children of Reuben and the children of Gad, verse 15, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and the land of Gilead. And notice what they do with them. Do they declare civil war right away? They did what? They, verse 15, they spoke with them, saying. Now, did right away, Jamie, they go out and say, civil war here? Next one. Next one. What do they do? They did it the Bible way. They actually spoke to them. Now, let me encourage you to do things the Bible way here, okay? 
When you have an assumption on based on what somebody does and you're thinking about it, most of the time we don't go to that person. We overthink it in our mind and we get mad about it here and then we don't go to that person. We don't find out the whole reason here. The whole reason why they built this altar was not, Brad, for a pagan altar. It was to unite the future generations here that when we're long gone that we're still family here. But you see, they were going things the wrong way. They talked to them. Now, notice what they did in a good way, but in a bad way, but they still haven't talked to the person to find out the reason why. And they start bringing up the past right away here. Now, look what he says right here in verse 16. The spokesman says, Thus saith the whole congregation of the, of the Lord, What? What trespass is this that you have committed against the God of Israel? He says, why are you doing this? Why did you build this altar here? To turn away this from following the Lord and that you have built an altar that will do what? For us, which we are not cleansed until this day, the past. You remember what God did in the past? Although there was a plague, God, when they built the wrong kind of altar, there's a plague. Look at verse 18. But that you must turn away by this day from following the Lord, and it will be seem you rebel today against the Lord. Notice right away, they're telling the people here what you're doing wrong. You're rebelling against God. Uh, you're going to get us on judgment. But do they, do, do they know all the facts? Now, how many have ever been guilty of this? Throw stones at people. You're doing this. You're doing this here. And it would be so easy just to talk to the person and say, hey, why? And they, they even bring up Achan here. He, he says here, don't you remember Achan here? He, he got killed because of bringing a curse thing here. Now, you see here, did they know the motive of the person that they were talking to? Did they know why they were Jim? They didn't know why here. They were just coming at them with all kinds of accusations here. Now, let me ask you a question. Isn't it bad sometimes when we bring up the past with the people? Now, how many of you ever did this here in your marriage here? Something a year ago, you say, and do you remember when you did this a year ago? Well, I thought we talked about that a year ago. No, you never talked about that. You just swept it underneath the rug here. And how many of you have ever been talking to people here and they bring up the past? You know what a year ago happened? You know a year ago? Go, you know, the last time I checked, everything's under the blood of Jesus Christ. And our sins as far as east of the west. Aren't you glad that God don't bring up the past? And you know what? When you mend fences with some people here, you know what? Sometimes you're always going to have a sensitive issue when you look at that person here. Satan puts a thought in your mind here. And what they were doing here is they were talking to people here. But, Jamie, the problem that they were doing here, right away they came after them. Instead of saying, why did you build the altar? They were... They were, they were bringing up the past here. Now, if you're on the other side of that and you're getting that, do you think that creates good harmony? you think, Rodney, here, if I came to you and I had something against you here, and right away here, you were innocent, but I brought up everything you did, you're just going to say, oh, I just love this guy. My blood pressure's not going to get, I'm not going to get mad, amen. No, if, if you would probably get mad, wouldn't I? And same thing with me. We're human here. We would get mad until... We're able to defend ourselves and talk it out. And that's what happens right here. Finally, look at verse 21. 
they're able to talk things out. They're able to communicate. Then the children, then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, you know, the people that they're saying, you're doing wrong. And the half-tribe of Manasseh, what they do? They answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of God, he, he knows, and all Israel, he knows, if it be in rebellion or for transgression, Lord, he, he knows it here. Now, does God know the other person's heart? Do you always know the other person's heart? Do you always know the other story here? Do we get mad at things sometimes because we do not talk to people? How many agree with me? One of the greatest failures in any relationship, church, business, friendship, coaching, parents, whatever, anything, is communication. Can I get it? amen? If you have good communication, you assume something, so you get mad at that person. Every time you see that person, Satan puts that thought in your mind because you have never did it the biblical way here. You just assumed this is why this has happened here, okay? And you do not get the facts here. You do not know something here. Now, what happens, they're able to tell. Look down in verse 27. They're able to tell why they built the altar. But that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us that we might do the service of the Lord before him with burnt offerings and sacrifices with your peace offerings here. So what was the real reason why they built the altar, Brother Ronnie? For God. And their children to say, we're always going to be united as a family here. Now. I, I want to encourage you to tell your children mistakes you have made. I tell my children all the time, kids, I remember my daughter when she first got married here. I said, honey, the picket fence will fall. <laughs> Amen. We're never going to get in a fight. Trust me, you will get in a fight. Can I get an amen in a marriage? You say, preacher, are you human? Yeah. Don't ask that lady too much downstairs, but... You know, she's got a strong personality, and she's meek and mild, amen. But uh, let's be honest, even me, okay? Uh, let's be honest. In anything, Roddy, yeah, I'm sure everything's just been fine and daddy when you coached all those years. Never been, never been disagreeing, never, amen. It's life, isn't it? Teachers, it's life, right? You can't escape it here. But what was the real reason why they built the altar? Unity. Unity here. And so what happens, look at verse 31. After Phineas talks to the person, the son of Elziah, the priest, said unto the children of Israel and to the children of Glad and to the children, this day after we talk, we perceive that the Lord is what? Among us. Now, I don't know about you. Was the Lord among them when they wanted to declare civil war? What was the reason? What was the number one reason? No communication. No communication. And they went on their anger, and the Lord was not among their family here, and they said, we're going to kill our family here. Now, that's not that. Now, what happened? How did it go from war to say we're united? It took a peacemaker. It took, you know, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. They're the children of God. They act like God here. You know, God's a peacemaker. 
I'm glad God, God, everything we do against him, he doesn't say, Frank Stanley, you're out of there, amen. God is a peacemaker here. God teaches us principles how to do this here. But let me look at one scripture, and we're going to be done here. Look at Proverbs chapter 18 quickly. Proverbs is the book of wisdom here. I'm just going to read three scriptures, and then we'll be done. Look at Proverbs 18. And it's very important because, you know, to be honest, as a preacher, I'm used to doing a lot of talking, and I'm learning as I grow. It's best to hear people out. But look at Proverbs 18, verse 13. Proverbs 18, 13. He that answereth a matter before he does what? It's foolish. It's foolishness and a shame unto him. So let me ask you a question. Can we be guilty how many have ever got the cart before the horse? Say amen. Okay. And how many have answered and said, you know why you did this? I'm so mad at you why you did this here. And you didn't know the other person's story here. And the Bible says it's foolishness. I don't know about you. I want to be called wise instead of a fool. You know what Proverbs is? It's the book of wisdom. Put it to practice. So next time you have a disagreement, everybody say Amen. Put it to practice. Hear the other side of the story. Say amen. We're going to put that into practice. Homework assignment. You're going to have a disagreement. Put it to practice. But look at verse 15. Oh, it's, it's, it's very important that we be careful with not our emotions. But look what it says in verse 15. The heart of the prudent. That means a careful person gets knowledge and the ear of the wise, the wise does what? He seeks knowledge here. In other words, a person that wants to learn, he goes and he seeks out why you are doing what you're doing. And the careful person doesn't go on his emotions here. Now, question number two. How many are guilty of ever going on your emotions before? Yeah, that person, I know that person, why they did that here. And then you're mad at that person every time you see these person. You know, the Bible says grudges is a sin. Amen, preacher. <laughs> Lonely island, but I'm just telling you the truth. Leviticus, a grudge is a sin, and a sin is a sin, and people sin every day. And then they look at adulterers and they say, that's a sin. Well, sin is a grudge, too. Amen. And you know why most grudges are hold? They didn't talk to people. They didn't go and seek out. And you know what? It takes away the spirit of a home. Can a wife get a grudge against her husband? Women, you're guilty about this. Sorry, I'm going to get hit by a stone here. The silent treatment. Amen. Give me an amen, husbands. Hell, don't do the silent treatment. Do the talking treatment. Thank you, guys. You're in my corner. Amen. But you know what? Women, you know you're guilty. And you know what the men are guilty of? I asked my wife, <coughs> yep, run away, but talk. Talk about it, amen? And look at this last one in verse, verse 17. He that is first, you're number one, it's about you, in his own cause, something that, you know, it's very dear to you, it seems just here, but his neighbor comes and does what? Just him. Now, there are some things that I'm very dear about. Amen. Don't tell a West Virginia joke to me. Because I'm going to get mad if you're not from West Virginia. Amen. 
My own family tried to do that to me one time, and I said, what are you, mocking the people that I love 22 years? Why did you tell? Oh, I'm just trying to have fun. Okay, family harmony, let's get back to opening up Christmas presents. Amen. Amen. But uh, you know what? Why? It's a cause that's dear to me. Now, we all have causes that are dear to us. Amen. And this is things that I'm going to stand for. I believe what's right. And when our causes are hurt, you know what? When somebody talks about somebody in my 